to Totalus Rankium. This week, Andrew Johnson, Part 1. And welcome to American Presidents, so tell us Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the presidents from Washington to Trump. And this is episode 17.1, Andrew Johnson. Ooh, so this is Lincoln's um, successor. Yes. So I'm guessing he, so he'd be the vice president at the time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I generally don't, I don't know anything about I, I barely, I don't recognise the name that well, so he's not someone that stands in my head. No. After Lincoln, because I imagine Lincoln is a bit of a, creates a, creates a, casts a long shadow. He does, he does. But things are looking up. Yeah. So I would suggest the only way is up. Well, we'll see, shall we? Yeah, let's see. Okay, you ready? I think so. Start on a tree. What kind of tree? What what season? That might help. Oh, oh. Is an elm. And we're quite far south, so seasons don't really have much of a... So, palm tree, got it. <laughs> Maybe not, but yeah, why not? Palm tree. Um, <laughs> so, palm tree, you're quite close, so you're just looking at the bark of the, uh, the palm tree. Coconut swings into view. <laughs> yes. And flames are reflecting on the tree. Reflecting? Or can you just see the orange light glowing on the tree? Yeah, hence reflecting. I mean, not, not sharp reflections, not okay. clear reflections. Yeah, okay. But it is the light reflecting off the... Yeah, no, no, you... Yeah, you're yeah? Right. yeah, yeah I'm yeah, scientifically yeah. right, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you no, you, no, you can right. see the orange. You can see the yeah. orange. Yeah. It's flickering, flickering light. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah, you hear shouting. <laughs> no. Ah, it's in me. No, no, not that. No? More, more, think pitchforks and torches. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Get the monster into the windmill. That kind of thing. <laughs> that kind of thing, yeah. Okay. You hear things like, Kill him! And traitor! Oh, good. Yeah. Positive presidency, then. <laughs> <laughs> it's not voting well, is it? Um, all of a sudden, you see a rope being flung over one of the branches. It's one of those unusual palm trees that has lots of sprawling branches. I'm with you, yeah. Yeah, it looks suspiciously like an oak tree with just a coconut hanging from it. <laughs> anyway, the rope is swung over, and the camera's pulling out at this point, and it reveals the mob. You see them. They are full-on mobbing. Yeah. Uh, and they're dragging a man in his 50s towards the tree. Oh. Oh, yeah. What kind of man? A man in a fine suit. Oh. Everything's looking... It's looking bad for this man in a suit. I, I think on a, one, on a scale of 1 to 10, he's probably on about a 2. Yeah, it's, he's not having a good day. No. But then suddenly, a sound rings out. Wait! Everyone freezes, turns, and there's just an old man standing there. The old man opens his mouth, holds up a finger, and then smashed to black, Andrew Johnson... Part one. Oh, you've, you've grabbed my interest. Oh, yeah. You love doing these, don't you? Oh, yeah, I do. It's, yeah. it's, it's the only reason why I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> where, where did we start doing these? Straight away, I think. Episode one. Uh, Maybe not as developed as this. I really I don't think we did. Really? I think, they, I think they took a while. Anyway, if we didn't do them at the start, we'll have to go back and add them at some point. <laughs> right, okay. So, I mean, who, who's the man? Who's the old man? What type of tree was it, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so many questions. So many. So many. Were they coconuts? Yeah, exactly. Or just horses. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Right, okay. We'll find out, because we are starting today in North Carolina in late December 1808. We're starting with Polly and Jacob. Polly and Jacob Johnson. And they've just had a child called Andrew. Andrew Johnson. And what's the link between him and the president, then? 
Uh, you'll, you'll see. It develops. Okay. Yeah. It's a slow burner, this one. Right. right. They lived in a log cabin, like a real one, uh, in the capital of North Carolina, Raleigh. Uh, he was their third child. Polly and Jacob already had William, who was four, and little Elizabeth, who may have been two, but she might already be dead by this point. Elizabeth doesn't oh. last long. Oh. Child mortality, sad thing back then. Well, st- still a sad thing now, obviously. <laughs> just, just no, we're, we're, we're harder of hearts now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, um, despite living in the state capital, don't think bustling city here. Well, yeah, in 1808, that's, that's quite early on, isn't it? So it'd be... Well, oh, wow, yeah, that is early on, isn't it? It's not only early on, um, it's also in the South. And the South didn't really do cities. More hamlets. Well, this was more of a... a a place where the buildings happen to be closer together than usual, <laughs> with, with a population of about a thousand. Okay. It had a few administrative buildings, a wooden courthouse, and uh, a couple of hotels built along sensible rectangular streets. Hmm. But apart from that, it was just a just a small town, really. A posh shanty. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't that posh. For a shanty town, it would be quite posh. Okay, it's got roads. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Right. Jacob and Polly, both illiterate, had little to do with the politics that took place in their town, and they lived in abject poverty. Mm. Like We're talking hand-to-mouth here, scraping by to feed the two boys. It's possible that Polly and Jacob met when they both worked in one of the hotels. Polly cleaned and repaired the linens, and Jacob attending to the horses. He was an ostler. He was an ostler, yes. As time went by, Polly gained some employment as a laundress outside the hotel, and Jacob did odd jobs here and there until he managed to land a job as a porter for the State Bank of North Carolina. So porter's the one that... It's like a doorman. Yeah, pretty much. He shows people people around, yeah. There's the desk. Yeah. Bugger off. It depends how polite or rude the bank is, really. That's true. Yeah. Jacob, what's little known about him, seems to have either been very lucky, very ambitious, perhaps a mixture of both, because he was from here able to become captain of the town watch. Ooh. Probably got a sparkly badge. Nice. Yeah. Quick, sir, read the evidence. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you didn't need to read evidence back then. That's true. Uh, not only was he captain of the town watch, he was also the city bell ringer. Oh, that's that's a prestigious job. That's the kind of job that I read and went, oh, really? And then went to type up my notes and went, what? <laughs> <laughs> what's that? Like, would, would it be like the clock bell, church bell? Emergency bell. Yeah. It's like... Division bell. The... <laughs> Maybe. Or just any bell. If anything involved a bell, he had to be on hand. <laughs> I'm guessing it was the church bell, but nowhere... I tried to look this up and I couldn't find out exactly what type of bell. Could it be like similar to a town crier? I could think that as well. They have a bell. But yeah. then that would have just been town crier. Or maybe he rings the bell and someone else Four cries. town crier. Yeah. Ding, um, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm just going to say anything to do with a bell, he, he had to be there. Someone's bike. <laughs> Someone would ride past and he'd just lean out. Ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Jacob, he's in charge of all the bells. Bell bottom trousers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Blue bells. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing else. No. Get your mind out the gutter. <laughs> he likes to play with the end of the bell. No, Jamie. No. 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 We're better than that. Yeah. We're not. <laughs> anyway, so, as we've been trying to say for what feels like ten minutes now, Jacob was in charge of the bells in the city, <laughs> and uh, he was also captain of the town watch, and he worked as a porter in the bank. So just doing bits here and there, trying to provide for his family. Yeah. However, if Jacob had luck, it was about to run out. 
Because when Andrew was only three years old... He died. No. Oh. Jacob was down at the pier that ran out onto the nearby lake. Looking out into the water, he was horrified to see a small boat capsize. The small fishing boat had three men in it. One was the editor of the city's newspaper, and the other were friends of his. They fell in, and they started to drown, being dragged under by their big, swashy clothing. Oh dear. Without hesitation, Jacob jumped into the lake, swam and swam and swam, and rescued all three men. Wow. There they were, spluttering on the side of the shore, all thanks to Jacob. Thank you very much. He was a hero. Hmm. But this weakened him slightly. We don't really have much details, but what we do know is that he fell ill shortly afterwards, and then one day when ringing the bell, he suddenly died. Oh. Probably a heart attack. Oh. Or maybe the bell fell on him. <laughs> we just don't know. Massive bell. <laughs> yes. Oh. So you're right, he did die, but not straight away. No. That... <laughs> What's that? There's a bell in the US, isn't there? Liberty Bell. It's got he, a massive crack in he it. He was in charge of that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's why it's got a crack in it. <laughs> Wrong place, though. That's in Philadelphia. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. The obituary in the newspaper was, as you can probably imagine, glowing. Because he just saved the life of the editor of the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'll quote it here. Among all whom he was known and esteemed, none lament him. Oh. Oh, sorry, there's more. Oh. <laughs> That's where it stopped, and then you had to turn the page for the second part. <laughs> <laughs> the continuing part, turn to page six. <laughs> sorry, I should probably read that as it should be said. <laughs> so, among all whom he was known and esteemed, none lament him except perhaps his own relatives more than the publisher of this newspaper, for he owes his life on a particular occasion to the kindness and humanity of Johnson. That's, oh. that's nice. So this is showing that Andrew Johnson's got good genes. Yeah. Kind, you know, yeah. willing to put himself out there. Yeah. A winner. Yeah, exactly. Jacob may have been a hero, um, but that did little for Polly. Having a dead husband who was a hero did not put food on the table. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were already really struggling, and that was his wages gone. Right, children out to work. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's left with her two boys, and um, sure enough, they start to starve. We're talking, like, full-on poverty. Oh. Really struggling. It was not long before talk of Jacob turned into gossip about Polly. Everyone was talking about Jacob, and you know how these things go. Mm. Talking about Jacob. Oh, isn't he married to that Polly? Oh, let's talk about Polly for a bit. Because now that little Andrew was starting to grow, some started to talk about how he looked nothing like his father. Oh, dear. But instead, he looked suspiciously like a prominent lawyer in the town who Polly sometimes did work for as a seamstress. Oh, yeah. Now, in a society where it was common for slave-owning men to father children with slaves that they had forced themselves upon, it was also fairly common for rich, prominent employers to do the same with poor female employees. It, unfortunately, was just a thing that happened fairly regularly. Uh, so this rumour was readily believed. We have right. no idea whether it's the case. We simply haven't. We just don't know. There's um, no way to know as well. No, but we do know that the rumour was around. And we do know that it, this cannot have been pleasant for poor Polly, who's struggling to keep her children alive. Her husband's just died, and everyone starts muttering about her. Because either they'll be, she'll be really noisy. Like, That's not true. What the hell? He's clearly, you know, he has his father's eyes. Or she's going, 
stop dragging that up. It was a horrible time in my life. Yeah, yeah. Go away. It's just, it's a nasty time for the family. Yeah. We're quite lucky in the time that we live. We really are. Yeah. Anyway, it's not long before Polly remarried to a man named Turner Dowtry. But Turner, unfortunately, was just as impoverished as she was. So he certainly wasn't able to come along and suddenly help the situation. See, this is why you don't marry for love. <laughs> yes. You marry for the cold, hard cash. Yep, that's why I married the Duchess. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Anyway, meanwhile, Andrew was living his life as children usually do, which is just assuming that his life is what life is like. Yeah. However, uh, as he grew, he did start to notice some things. Some people got to live in big houses, and those people that got to live in big houses weren't very nice. Hmm. One day, he and his friends were playing, and they ran across the front of one of these big houses. A coachman was sent after them with a whip, and accused the boys of stealing fruit. The story's true. Little Andrew got whipped in the street because of this. Huh. Yeah. Not nice. But I didn't steal fruit as a tomato. A tomato's a fruit, you brat! You uneducated fool! <laughs> Yeah. However, despite the growing realisation that he was poor, he also would have been taught, as a white child growing up in the South, it doesn't matter how bad things seem, you will always be better than the black people. So Andrew would have seen both free and enslaved black men, women yeah. and children, um, and soon he thoroughly believed that he was better than all of them, simply by default. Yeah, in fact, unfortunately, that's the thing that would have happened. If well, yeah. that's what you think life is, then that's what you think it you is. You don't get racist children until no. you teach them to be racist, exactly. unfortunately. Yeah. However, having a sense of supremacy due to skin colour also did not put food on the table, and Polly, seeing no alternative, decided to sell her children into an apprenticeship scheme. Probably a good thing to do, really, because they're going to get work. They'll be trained to do work anyway, not... not to start with. <laughs> you can see why Polly made this decision. Because yeah. it was watch your children starve to death or put them somewhere where they'd be fed and they learn a trade. Gives them a chance. It, yeah, it makes sense. But this was unpaid apprenticeship yeah. for 11 years. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't take 11 years to learn a trade. No. This is another example of, don't want to say slave labour, but... You know what I mean? It, it's not slave labour, um, especially since you have genuine slave labour yeah. going on, but you're not too far off the fact that no. you are forcing... Exploitation. Yeah, definitely. There's no way that Andrew and his brother would have been in a badder situation as the slaves, no. but they certainly did not have the freedom that they would expect they should have as white people. So they felt very hard done by the fact that there were people... Right next to them that were harder done by, uh, they didn't see it that yeah, way. Screw that. Yeah. Anyway, to begin with, William was apprenticed first, so older brother. He was apprenticed to the man that Jacob had saved in the lake. So not the newspaper editor, but one of the others. Mm. So obviously a sense of guilt there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, I'll take in the child. Um, however, that didn't last too long, and soon William was transferred to a tailor's shop. By this point, Andrew was old enough to go with him, so at ten years old, Andrew was bound to the tailor James Salby until the age of 21. Wow. Yeah. Like I say, this system was controversial at the time, not just looking back. Many argued that such long apprenticeships were clearly a way for business just to get cheap labour. Oh, yeah. Still... Considering that Polly was struggling to feed the boys, having them fed and giving them the rudimentaries of education while learning a trade did seem better than anything she could do herself. Well, yeah, they, they yeah. may have died. 
Yeah, exactly. So mm. off you go. Now, the shop was close enough to home that Andrew did not board at the shop, which meant that his board money could be given to Polly, which was uh, a nice bonus. Yeah. Andrew also had the basics of reading taught to him by an employer in the shop, uh, but little progress was made in this area. He could read, but not brilliantly. Uh, most of his days were spent with the basics of being a tailor. So at 10 years old, he was cleaning up, he was carrying things, he was holding things. Yeah. He was finding the needles in the haystacks, which they kept dropping in the haystacks. Oh, it's so annoying. I know. Yeah. Oh, I've dropped a needle. Can you go and find it for me? Yeah. Why are you near a pile of hay with a needle? But... More than anything else, Andrew was exposed to a side of society he had only ever really glimpsed before, because all sorts of people would come into the shop and talk about politics and current affairs. It is most likely over this period that Andrew started to form his political opinions that would stick with him. Mostly, he was angry. Hmm. Here he was, scraping out a life, watching his poor mother, sick with worry, and these rich planter-class men and women would swan around doing very little living the high life. How is this fair? The planter class were taking from the poor whites and exploiting them. Even as a child, he could see this. Yeah. So he was sure that the problems him and his family had suffered all their lives was all down to the planter class. But he doesn't stop there. Because the planter class were to blame, but so were another class of people. Who else is involved in the whole plantation thing? Oh. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, apparently he was sure that the other class of people responsible for keeping poor white people down was in fact the slaves themselves. Yes, sir, we are definitely keeping you down. <laughs> yeah, by working for free, they priced white men out of jobs. Yeah. So, in Andrew's mind, it was the entire slave economy that was keeping poor white people from achieving things. Positive in a way, which means he wants to get rid of it. Yes and no, as we'll see. Oh, dear. Um okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as we see, he grows up to despise the planter class, but he's also incredibly racist. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Sounds marvelous. Yeah. So he he's growing up. He's turning into a teenager. He's still having to live hand to mouth. He's forced to work in a job that he hates for no pay for twelve hours a day. He's not having a good time. No. Now, he wouldn't have formed these opinions that I've been talking about overnight, obviously, uh, but over the years of working in the tailor shop, he starts to think this way. Uh, not that all the talk in the shop angered him, some inspired him as well. One day, a man came in with a book, and this was a book full of American speeches. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a man called Dr. William Hill. Uh, he used to come in regularly... William Hill. Is that the name of a betting place? <laughs> yes, it is. Excellent. Yeah, he did bets on the side. Um, Dr. Hill would come in, and the, the shop was quite a social place to hang out, as well as getting the clothes. Uh, and he'd come uh, in, and he'd just read some of the speeches occasionally. <laughs> oh no, William's coming. Quick, hide! <laughs> Send the children out. Well, um, little Andrew loved this. He was really inspired by some of these speeches. And Dr. Hill, realising the boy cutting the cloth, was very interested in this collection. I mean, literally, he's the only one listening. <laughs> Everyone else is suddenly very busy. Uh, <laughs> so, he gave his book of speeches to Andrew as a gift. Oh dear, you can't read. Oh, he, he's got the rudimentaries. Um, okay, he's getting there. Yeah. In fact, it's theorised that this book, in fact, taught him to read more than his teacher because he so wanted to read this book that he kind of really started focusing on his studies. Wow. Yeah. He was determined to understand all of it. And apparently he kept this book for his entire life. Oh. Yeah. I'd like to think in his breast pocket, 
hoping that one day someone would shoot at him and it would save his life and he'd have an amazing story to tell. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Did it happen? I'd love to say yes. (laughs) But what are the chances of that happening in real life? Pretty slim. Yeah. Anyway, as you can probably guess, Johnson was not the best apprentice. He was far too angry and bored to simply just get on with his work. He soon fell into a group of likewise disenfranchised boys and he got up to mischief. Oh dear. Yeah. Did he start turning cattle over? I'd like to think he rearranged cows, but I didn't read that he did that. Um, what was other things? Freezing the bell was some things that people got up to, wasn't it? I remember Freezing saying the that. Bell. Yeah. Can't remember who it was at Madison. Yeah, moving furniture. Yeah, I never figured out what freezing the bell was, but his his dad was in charge of the bells. So he probably respected oh. the bells too much. Maybe he thawed the bells. <laughs> who knows I don't know what he did apart from this one thing because one day he his brother and some other boys threw several objects at a house again I tried to find out the objects I'm guessing things like eggs maybe pebbles maybe one of those cows need a big arm you would need a big arm but who knows they threw stuff generally at the house uh, the woman in the house was not happy and chased them off but she spotted who it was it was those Johnson boys stop throwing the bloody Cows on my roof. Exactly. It's pain getting them down. Yeah. Yeah. Up there mooing all night. Can't sleep a wink. So she went further and she started to sue the boys for damages. Especially once the cow fell through. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's getting serious. It's a bit like when you've got a slow leak. Yeah. You just see another poke through. Yeah. You, then a hoof. <laughs> you know you've got to sort the cow out. Oh, have I got enough time this weekend? <laughs> Put a bucket underneath. <laughs> So then the cow just comes through completely and you're kicking yourself. You knew it was going to happen at some point and you didn't sort the cow out. So anyway, she's suing for damages. Um, (laughs) Andrew did the only thing he could think of. Run away? He ran away. James Salby was not happy to find that Andrew and his brother had run away and placed an advert for their return offering $10. Ooh, a fair amount at that time. So if you turned yourself in, $10, $10, please. Interestingly, he offered the $10 for the return of the two boys, or just Andrew. Ooh. Which must have really hurt William's feelings. Yeah. (laughs) I'm guessing this because Andrew was younger, so had much longer on his apprenticeship left. Yeah, yes, more of an investment. It doesn't really matter because the boys were gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Travelling by foot, they travelled all the way to Carthage. Wow. That's quite far. That's quite a walk. (laughs) Quite a few Carthages. This isn't the same Carthage that I've mentioned in this series before, and it's obviously not the Carthage I mentioned in the Roman series. Uh, But yeah, it's yet another Carthage. They stayed there for a bit, and then Andrew headed off to Lawrence, crossing into South Carolina. Mm. Now, as much as Andrew hated his apprenticeship, it's what saved his life, really, because he was able to find employment as a tailor and spent the next two years in Lawrence. He managed to prove to himself that he could survive on his own. Mm. He'd only been in the apprenticeship for four years, and uh, he was already... All he needed is four years, see? Yeah, he's already Mm. able to actually make money being a tailor. Mm. So... There you go, he's setting him down. He's he's going to make his own life. And at 17, he met Mary Wood and proposed. That was very fast. Oh yeah, he's wasting no time. Hey Mary, do you want to get married? She said, no. I literally just see you. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously, who are you? <laughs> uh, well, that was pretty much the family's reaction anyway. He was like, yeah. who, who is this boy that repairs clothes who's suddenly turned up in the village? Uh he wants to marry you. No, 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 no. Absolutely Mary, not. you're staying in the cabin for, for a month, two months. 
I'm never going out again. <laughs> yeah. Into the room of shame. <laughs> Just a room with the word shame written on it. Yeah. yeah. As you walk in, you're like, shame, shame, shame. And just shameful things in there. Yes. Like albums that you still quite like, but you're really embarrassed oh, by. Like the Spice I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she went in that room. Andrew was also very embarrassed because he fled the town. <laughs> Run away. I'd like to think whimpering slightly. Oh, no, no, no. Um, yeah, he left Lawrence looking for his next move. But by this point, he kind of missed home. He'd been away for a couple of years, and he soon started to realise that being a fugitive from an apprenticeship could cause awkward questions. People could say things like, "What you want to marry my daughter? Uh, so what have you been doing with your life so far? Things like that. Run away from home, I see. Right. Get out. <laughs> yeah, so time to go back and face the music, he thinks. However, once he gets back to Rally, he finds that Salby has moved shop. Hey. Great, he thinks. Brilliant. However, the town remember him. It's only been a couple of years, and no one would employ him. Untrustworthy. Yeah, exactly. So, he figures, no, I need to sort this out. He tracks Salby down, and he offers to buy his contract out over time. Okay. Salby refused, saying he would only take payment up front. If you can't pay up front, then you're coming back to work for me. Because I don't trust you. You keep running away. Well, Andrew obviously didn't have that kind of money, so he did the only thing he knew how. Run away. He ran away again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this time he heads west into Tennessee. Ooh. He hitched a lift with a planter-class gentleman who was setting off to make his fortune. He must have loved that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Johnson soon found himself in a train of wagons with slaves and tools and household goods. Just ricketing along the road. So, stealing our jobs, are you? You imagine the poor slaves in that wagon <laughs> having to listen to his moaning the entire yeah. way. Life's so bad for I can't even get a job. It's all <laughs> your fault. Yeah. Just eyes looking up, just angry. Yeah. What? They're just looking at each other, just shaking their heads. Anyway, they soon reach Knoxville. Andrew spends the next couple of years generally travelling around wherever he could go. Never really settling. For a while he was in Alabama. And then he went back to Tennessee, always making money through his tailoring trade, which improved quite a bit when he found a tailor when he was in Alabama who taught him how to make suits. Hmm. So, yeah, something he hadn't been taught yet, but now he, it's like making suits is a kind of an important part of being a tailor. So what did he make before? Did he only, like, make a certain specific item of clothing, do you think? I, I'm guessing before he was uh, repairing things and um, making simple things, like... Handkerchiefs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cut, cut this into squares. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Done! He's really good at handkerchiefs and yeah. creating monograms. Yeah. Uh, as long as your, your name was Ingrid Ingridson. Yes. Because he was really good at eyes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he could do straight lines. Yeah. Yeah. But no, you can do suits now. Oh, so good. That's good. Uh, but then he received word from his mother. Your father's dead. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> it was years ago. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Uh, <laughs> there was nothing in rally anymore for her husband and her. So they decided to make their move west also, where some relatives were, and also Andrew's older brother William now was. Okay. So any chance you could pop back and help us, is essentially what was said. Okay. So Andrew heads back to help his mother move. All they had, according to the story passed down, to help them move was one blind donkey and a wagon with two wheels. Well, if it's a car, so you don't you need two wheels because it gets picked up by a donkey. I'd like to think that it's uh, the two left wheels. Oh, <laughs> Which was a shame. 
That's why Andrew had to go back. He had to hold the axle on the other side <laughs> and shout at the donkey left and right. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not what you want when you're, no. you're heading across country. Just a, a donkey that cannot see. No, <laughs> just keeps crashing into the same tree again and again. Anyway, I went to a donkey sanctuary. Oh, did you? Was it yeah. a blind one? No, there's one that looked like Alan Cummings though. <laughs> right. Okay. Mm. That's similar. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was a long and hard journey. Shouting left and right at donkey. <laughs> left and right. Mama! Oh, he's oh. in the ditch again. <laughs> he's got his hoof stuck. <laughs> oh, he's blown a hoof. <laughs> at one point, when they were camping, a mountain lion suddenly ran into their camp and knocked their dinner into the fire. They're vicious. Yeah. Wow. He was definitely knocking their dinner over. That's mm. vicious. Yeah. Probably called them a name as they went past as well. So he just did what normal cats do, so just jumps off and just like flicks off the edge. Yeah. Just, just trying to play. Yeah. Benefit of having a blind donkey, though. Probably didn't care. Nope. No. Took it in his stride. Said screams like, oh, what? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Hey, um, donkey. Yeah, the, the, the lion freaked them out a bit, as you can imagine. It would, wouldn't it? It's like, we're going to be eaten by lions. Uh, oh, there's a black bear. <laughs> Wow, are you reading my notes? No, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was but, thinking of the Revenant. <laughs> yeah, no, because then the bears start. <laughs> yeah, no, in all, in all seriousness, they start seeing evidence of bears, so they decide to speed up a bit. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, there's a grizzly. Run! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. It was a dangerous journey. Slow and arduous. Uh, anyway, they decide to settle in the first town they come across. <laughs> This'll do. Yeah, you know that that was a, a sort of three in the morning decision one night. Yeah. After the lion and the bear, it's like you know what? It doesn't matter where. First place we settle. I don't care if it's a hut next to a puddle. We're, we're stopping. Weird, it's only ten minutes out of Rally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can still see Rally very clearly over the hill. <laughs> anyway, they do come across a settlement called Greenville, Greenville, Tennessee. Now, to begin with, they camped outside the town, and Andrew went into the settlement to find some work. The tailor there apparently was a very old man who was a bit slow. Wonderful, thought Andrew. I can definitely get some work here, then. I can speed you up. Yeah, what's that? Your tailor's really old. Be terrible if something happened to him. There's no suggestion that okay. Andrew kills off the Good. tailor, by the way. Good. That's my own speculation. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, he manages to find work, and soon enough he was able to put his mother and his stepfather up in a tavern, oh. which was nice. Yeah, the arrival of the Johnsons was noticed by the town, in particular by a young lady named Eliza McArdle. Ooh, who are these people being chased by lions and bears? <laughs> yes. They've been stalking them for hours. <laughs> well, this was a, a young 16-year-old girl who noticed Andrew striding down the street Ooh. off to get a job. And she turned to a friend and said, There goes the man I am going to marry. She knows what she wants. She wants him. Oh, yes. That's what she wants. He can cut my hanky. That's what she said. Yeah. Uh, however, Andrew had come to help his mother. He wasn't planning on staying. He was a bit bit of a, a rambling man by this point. He's a vagabond. He's a rover. Yeah, He's he, a wanderer. He goes where his hat tells him. That's not the saying, is it? That's... That, that's just hearing voices. It is. Yeah. Head towards the mountains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. No, so what? what is it? He he sleeps where he hangs his hat, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Why anyway, not? he does something with his hat and it means he wanders around a lot. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is he doesn't stay in place too long. Yeah. He moves on. But before he moves on, Eliza and Andrew talk and they start to get to know each other a little bit. But 
and Andrew's on his way. So off he goes. Whacks his stick over his shoulder. Everything he owns in his hanky. He's off to make his fortune. This time he heads to Rutledge, and again he works as a tailor. But while there, whilst he was sewing his handkerchiefs, he just kept getting an image in his head. Eliza. An image of a young lady who quite clearly fancied him. Not wearing much. <laughs> I wouldn't like to speculate. It's late at night. He's yeah. got to himself. <laughs> I'm not saying what he does, but... Someone's with a handkerchief. <laughs> He's making handkerchiefs, Jamie. Get, mind out the gutter, right. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he wanted to be his own man. He wanted to, to strike out on his own. He didn't really want to live where his mother was, but then... There was Eliza. There was a young lady who fancied him, so, mm. I mean... He soon moved back to Greenville. Hankies in hand. <laughs> hopefully disposed of those before <laughs> meeting Eliza, because he then asked Eliza to marry him, which she said yes. Oh. As soon as you put those in the bin. <laughs> Stop waving them around. <laughs> so, at 19, Andrew and Eliza marry. Oh. In 1827. That's what he needed. Yes, he did. The man who married them was Mordecai Lincoln. Mordecai? Yes. That's a great name. Yeah. Mordecai Lincoln was the cousin of a young man named Abraham who was currently wielding an axe a few hundred miles away. Weird small world stuff there. Why are you telling me that? I, I don't know. I just thought you might want to know. I don't care about his cousin. Okay. Mordecai, though. Tell me more. <laughs> he had a great name. Yeah, there's a wrestler called Mordecai in 2000-something. 2004, <laughs> I think. Was he the cousin of an axe welder? Possibly. Ah, interesting. Small world. I know the wrestler's cousin became president, though. <laughs> Barack Obama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. Okay. Right. Anyway, we know very little about Eliza, going back to the story. Uh, some credit her with improving her husband's education. To her. To her. To her. No, the... <laughs> Yeah, oh. but like that, improving his reading skills um, yeah. and teaching him how to write. Now, we also know that she was quite sickly, apparently. She didn't like to travel much, or at least she doesn't travel much. Okay. As we'll see, that might be more Andrew's decision later on, but we'll come to that. All right. Anyway, perhaps it is this reason that she takes very much a background in Andrew's story. It's hard to read into what their relationship was like. We just don't have many details. Perhaps they were perfectly content with each other. Perhaps they soon tired of each other. We just have no idea. We, what we do know is that now that Andrew's decided to settle somewhere, he managed to make a good go at beginning a tailoring business. That seems to be a thing he, he really wants to do, isn't it? It's a skill he has. Oh, yes. That's yeah. Better okay um, now, it's not long before he's able to hire other people to help him out. He's actually yeah. doing quite well here. And then he invests some of that money into real estate. Which does quite well. He starts actually getting some money in. Not just we can eat now. As in, we've got a spare bit of cash. Let's buy another house. Yeah. So, things are starting to look quite good. And over the next six years, he and Eliza have four children. Wow. Martha, Charles, Mary and Robert. So, he's now got money. He's got some time. He's got security. He's got a family. Uh, everything's looking good. And he's also got a new thirst for reading, because he can do it now. And he finds that he loves books. He becomes obsessed with them. He spends all his spare time reading. So just like the shop that he worked in as a boy, his shop soon becomes a place where men would hang out and discuss politics. Ah, uh, this is where the bug bites, right? Oh, yes. The discussions often turned into debates that were so enjoyed by some that it was decided to start debating formally. Ooh. Yeah. 
he was, in fact, uh, a master debater, as oh, we yeah. have already discovered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Johnson and a friend, a plasterer, decided to debate the political issues of the day in public. They were debating in public? <laughs> yes, they were. Um, yeah, instead of just in the shop, like in the back room. Um, <laughs> Let's go out. We've got a judge and an audience and all sorts. <laughs> I like it that way. <laughs> yeah. Filth this week. Um, yeah, uh, Andrew had not been reading and rereading his American speeches book for half his life for nothing. He, he knew what a good speech was. So he was going to stand up and debate one of his friends in public, and he was going to do it well. He was determined. So on the day that they debated, it went on for hours. So it was on a Saturday. Oh dear. Yeah. This is why you need time limits. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was kind of, because when it hit midnight, they had to call it off, because it was Kick Sunday. Going. Oh, oh, yeah. And it didn't seem right to be debating on a Sunday. No. Don't debate on a holy day. No, God is watching. But, I mean, it, it had gone on for quite some time. Everyone had enjoyed themselves, particularly Andrew. But, but what people noticed, that Andrew may not have been the most artful of orators. No. Uh, but he did have a way of moving the crowd with a combination of cutting remarks to his opponents that the crowd loved. Idiot! Uh, a touch of sarcasm. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, well done. <laughs> and anecdotes. Well, my father said to me, nothing because he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at times, simply being louder than the other person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, using a combination of those things. I can see like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew soon discovered that he had a talent aside from making clothes. Turns out he was pretty good at this. Ooh. Oh, yes. A formal debating society was soon created. In part, it was due to this, and his standing in the community, that Johnson soon was elected mayor of Greenville oh, wow. in 1834. He also joined the militia at this time, although didn't really do much. No. So we don't know much about him being the mayor, but we do know he was charged with battery and assault. That's a good, good start. Some good mayoring, that is. Yeah. <laughs> now, the details have been lost for this, so we don't really know why he was uh, charged with this. What we do know is that he was charged with the crime by a man named Thomas McClay, and Johnson didn't turn up for the court case, and then the charges were dropped. Wow. So, um, read into that what you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, however, um, Johnson was starting to look for bigger things. Being mayor of a small town didn't really give him much power. I mean, it was nice, but he really started to see for himself a life of politics. Maybe he could do something there. Now, the current issue of the day was the state's constitution. People were debating on whether you needed to own property to vote. The original argument being, well, you'd only really care about the laws if you had property there. Um, so only property owners should vote. If you didn't own property, you would just say anything, and laws you might would be able to read. It would cause chaos. Yeah, it would, uh, laws would spiral out of control. It would just be mayhem. That was the original idea. By this time, we're a few decades on from the start of the country. People are starting to say things like, "That's ridiculous." Surely, if we live under the laws, we should be able to vote on the laws. We're meant to be a democracy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good argument. Yeah. It's one hard to argue against. <laughs> Johnson did not argue against it. In fact, he very much argued for it. Hmm. 
poor people should definitely be allowed to vote. <laughs> yeah. Poor white people should definitely <laughs> be allowed to vote, was his argument. Any human being... As long as they're white, <laughs> should definitely. Of course, it would be, it'd be ridiculous, inhumane of yes. the whites. So he pushed hard for this, and um, it went through. Hmm. Not only did it go through... Johnson pushing so hard and so loud uh, made his name be noticed outside Greenville. On the back of this, he decides, you know what, I'm going to run for the state legislature. Now, he was up against better-known men who had family names that were recognised. He certainly was not the favourite. But Johnson threw himself into campaign and debated the other candidates. And his opponents simply were not ready for Johnson's style of debating that had been honed in his debating society. <laughs> he ridiculed, he talked over people, he tore the others apart. Is he one of these annoying people who doesn't really let the person get a word in edgeways and just... Pretty much. By oh, the sounds of it. It's not debating, that's just being an ass. By the sounds of it, he just bullied his opponents. That's, that's not but debating. in an amusing way. Because the crowd loved it. So he mocked them and bullied them. <laughs> yeah. Well, the crowd loved it because here was this young tailor telling it how it is. Here's this young tailor talking to the toffs who think they're all that. And uh, he's, he's saying what I've always wanted to say to the planter class. Element of populism in that, isn't there? Oh, yes, very much so. His popularity grew enough that he won the election. Mm. So he left his young family behind and headed for Nashville. And this uh, is a common thing. His family tend not to go with him when he goes off to places. Right. Uh, like I say, we don't know much about his family. Uh, and Andrew seemed to be happy to be away from his family for long periods of time. <laughs> Bloody children. Yeah. Anyway, off to Nashville he goes. Uh, not only had he started his political career, but he'd also started something else as well. Because... He had just become a slave owner for the first time. Oh, splendid. Oh, yes, because he had just purchased a 14-year-old girl called Dolly. I have a feeling this isn't going to go down well. Well, according to the family history, Dolly approached Johnson during the auction and asked Johnson to buy her because he looked so friendly. Right. Yeah, that's the story that's passed down. Now, obviously... It's rubbish. <laughs> we have no idea whether this is true, because there's no way we could ever know if that was true. But it tells us something about the times that this story was seen as a nice one and not hideous. Yeah. Because even if it is true, it's still hideous. Yes. Yeah. It just really brings home just how awful it must have been. It's so normalised, isn't it? But just, just being a 14-year-old girl and having to scan uh, a field full of people who is least likely to beat yeah. and rape me. I know, that one looks kindly. I'll go and beg that he buys me. So, Dolly's now around. Um, over the years, there was a rumour that Dolly's children, that she had over the next few years, were fathered by Johnson. Uh, we, again, don't know. There's been no study into this like there was with Jefferson. Yeah. Where it's almost certain, like 99% certain that something was going on there. But yeah, so we don't know with this one, but... Uh, it's not implausible. It, it's it's really not, if not likely, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah the, the rape of slaves was everywhere. It just was commonplace. I thought we were getting to a better time now. We keep bringing it back to bad things. Slavery has not ended yet. We went back in time. Yeah, I know. Don't worry, once slavery ended, everything is marshmallows and rainbows. 
<laughs> There's no problems in US history. After yes. That. It's going to be fine. Anyway, so um, there is a good chance that Johnson was uh, fathering children with uh, one of his slaves. Um, yeah. But we don't know. What we do know is that Johnson soon bought Dolly's half-brother, so some of her family were purchased. Um, and we also know that once Dolly's children started to be born, Johnson apparently treated these children very kindly. He oh. sat them on his knees, he told them stories, he was uh, quite a nice figure uh, in their memories, which kind of gives a hint that maybe he had a reason to be kindly to these children. Yeah, you can. Uh, there's a lot you can infer from this. Yes, there? definitely. It's also depressingly easy how these people were able to convince themselves that they were good people. Yeah. whilst actively owning other people. But I'm nice to my slaves, and I give them food and shelter, oh. and a family. Anyway, shall we get back to politics? Johnson moves to Nashville and initially aligned himself with the Whigs. Although his hero was Andrew Jackson, um, the Democrats were also the party of the planter class, and Johnson wasn't keen on aligning himself with them yeah. too much. However, despite his hatred of the planters, he shared many Democratic values. In particular, when it came to infrastructure, he did not like the rise of the railroad companies that were popping up. He saw them as corrupt and anti-democratic. These huge businesses telling other people what to do, yeah. and they just clearly were corrupt through and through. Just monopolising and doing their own thing. Yeah, exactly. So, Johnson spent a lot of his time in the start of his political career attempting to stop the spread of railroads, arguing that they would scare horses and deprive, <laughs> and deprive in-owners of income. Only scare horses if you move your horse to a rail track. Like, tie it to the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Then it would be scared. Yeah, of course it would. Poor horse. I mean, come on, horses are ridden into battles and stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to be scared by... No. Maybe. I mean, they're, they're, those horses are trained, to be fair. Yeah. And horses also are notoriously scared of new technology. That's true. That's why you never see a horse in an internet cafe. Or a, or a horse with an iPhone. Yeah, exactly. So maybe they would. Um, yeah. But if Johnson was concerned about the growing power of the railroad companies and the blatant corruption that came with them, all that came across to the public was that he hated trains. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Who's Things that? always get lost in translation, yeah. don't they? What's that? That Johnson, he's the guy who hates trains, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, people love trains. I mean, this is back when everyone had an anorak, a thermos, <laughs> and a pack of sandwiches. Yeah, and little notebook. Yeah, everyone just trying to spot the train. <gasps> it's the B172 from Nashville! Or just train one from Nashville. <laughs> Early yeah. days. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> One day there'll be a second. <laughs> <laughs> Have you spotted the train? Yep. That was a good hobby, wasn't it? <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, they, they were new. It was, uh, it, they connected the country in ways that were thought impossible just years previously. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee wanted to be connected to the rest of the country. Why the hell was this Johnson fellow opposing this? Yeah. Yeah, so his popularity kind of, um, plummets a bit, because he's fighting for the spread of trains. And he lost the race when his re-election came up. Ooh. Yeah. However, he's determined to get back into power. He's got the bug here. So he's going to get back in. He approached the Whigs, and then the Democrats. <laughs> oh. Just to see which party would give him the best chance of getting in come the next cycle of elections. He was less concerned with pol party politics than he was with just being in power. Ah. Uh, and this is something, again, that we will see 
as we go through. Now, he decided that the Democrats would offer him the best chances at this point. He still didn't fully agree with everything that they believed in, and those high up in the Democratic Party were cautious of this outspoken man. He, he seemed a bit a bit of a populist, like he said. Yeah. He'd say whatever he wanted to, just to rouse the rabble. Yeah. Yeah. However, as the Panic of 1837 had just hit, the Democrats' popularity started to wane under Martin Van Buren. And it was noticed that Johnson was still really popular in Tennessee. Hmm. Democrats are starting to lose left, right and centre, and yet this Johnson fellow, he's keeping his support. How's he doing that? He was described as the Democrats' only man in eastern Tennessee at this point. So he throws himself into party politics. He was soon rallying the voters for Van Buren's upcoming election. He's he's not a full Democrat, but he's willing to, to toe the line. As we've seen, Van Buren lost this election to Harrison, but by this time, Johnson was a name known to many in the Democratic Party nationally. Oh, so his name's already out there. Yeah, because he's just a bit of an, ano- an anomaly. <laughs> Who the hell is that? Yeah, it's like, why... Why does everyone like him? Oh, that's why he's a bit... He's not a real Democrat. Ooh, no. But he's fighting for us. Yeah, okay, yeah, he could okay. Be the face. Yeah. And Johnson had decided, you know what, it is time for some national politics. So in 1842, he runs for a seat in the House. He styled himself as a fighter for the working man, an opponent of the elites. <laughs> now, considering the Democratic Party was the party for the elites... <laughs> This was an interesting niche that he was forcing himself into. It's interesting because you, you kind of see parties that sort of, like, certainly in our country, is that there are certain parties that lean more towards more of a nationalistic tendency, but they often have members that don't fit that tendency to almost show that, look how diverse we are. Yeah, it certainly isn't harming the Democrats. No. That you've got someone saying, we'll fight for you. All you people who now suddenly have the vote. Yeah. We're on your side, really. So, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, Johnson ran on a campaign of not wasting any public money, something that he was determined the government not to do. This becomes a bit of a thing for him, the idea of wasting public money. The government should only ever spend money when it was really necessary. Like, really necessary. He was the kind of person you'd only get a new pencil if you brought back the nub of the old one. <laughs> that kind of person. There's like the rubber, the metal bit, then literally the tip, the end yeah, straight away. it's got to be like that. Wow. Anyway, he wins this race, and he becomes a representative. He's a bit of an unusual figure in the House, because out of the 223 men in the House of Representatives, 200 of them were lawyers. Right. I mean, as we've seen, who hasn't been a lawyer out of everyone yeah. we've covered? Actually, that's a good, damn good point. Washington, off the top of my head. Jackson, was he a lawyer? Um, no, 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 he was a lawyer. Oh, of course he of course, was. yeah, no, he went round, he was uh, judging with his pistols. Tiberius. <laughs> Different podcast. Um, Taylor, there you oh. go. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, they're few and far between, aren't they? Yeah. And Johnson was a tailor, ironically. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, he was an outspoken tailor. He had a sharp tongue. He knew how to hold his own in a debate, but he wasn't a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, so he stood out a little bit. Now, in an age of growing partisanship, Johnson kept his independent streak. He was a Democrat, but he would not always vote for them. Hmm. He agreed that the government should not interfere with slavery. That was the Democrat line. Um, But he did not agree with the party's opinions on tariffs, for example. Right. Now, the Democrats soon grew wary of him. What, what is this man doing? But there was one thing they did know. He was insanely popular back in Tennessee. 
There was no way he was about to lose his seat. Yeah. He's here, he's here to stay. Now, he served well enough for the first term. He spent most of his time voting down any bills whatsoever that involved any kind of public spending. <laughs> yeah, you want to spend money? No. No, sorry. Not happening. That probably stems back to his uh, poor upbringing, I'm guessing. Quite possibly, yes. Unless there was an exception to this. It was to do with education. <laughs> Yeah, again. Yeah, again. It all goes back. Johnson firmly believes that education should be available to all, not just the rich. Wow. Yeah. Someone Better. tapped him on the shoulder. Available to all? Oh, all white people, of course. Oh, thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so um, yeah, he's got some nice ideas on education. Yeah. Let's spread the education around, he's thinking. But apart from that, no. No. What's that? You want money for police? Not needed. Aqueducts. <laughs> this is an ancient Rome. Rome? Um, yeah. Aid to victims of an accidental cannon explosion. <laughs> no. Don't stand so close. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, interestingly, I tried, again, I tried to find this out and I couldn't, because I came across the fact that he voted no to aid to victims of an accidental cannon explosion. I'm fairly certain that this is the USS Princeton. Oh, really? That, um, Tyler was on because yeah. it's the right time yeah. and how many cannon explosions are you going to have? He <laughs> <laughs> was a bad few years. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, so those those poor people who died on the ship when Tyler was president, no, he was saying no, they don't need, they don't need anything. They're already dead, what are they going to do with the money? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... He was, he was a bit tight-fisted, shall mm. we say. So, yeah, he was living in Washington at this time. Eliza, or, again, had decided to stay at home. Uh, but his eldest daughter had come with him so she could get an education in the capital. Oh. Yeah, so she just lived in a boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're coming with Daddy. Yay! And you're going into the boarding school. Yeah. Johnson attended few parties. He spent most of his time reading books in the Library of Congress. And just kept to himself, really. Yeah. Uh, he won his re-election nice and easily, because he was very popular back at home. By this point, Polk is president, and the Mexican war kicks off. Way. And then ends. Way. Short version of that war, <laughs> as we've covered it before. Uh, Johnson didn't really get too involved in the ins and outs of the war, because he was working on a bill that would become known as the Homestead Bill. And th this was his thing. This was a, a bill designed for the mechanics which is roughly how the working class were referred to at the time. Okay. So it didn't matter if you were like a, a tailor or a carpenter made the drains. Uh, you were a mechanic. That, that's what the word was used for. Yeah, that for. makes sense. So yeah, he, he's designing a bill for the mechanics. Now the plan was to encourage poor white people to settle in the West by giving them 160 acres of land. As long as you live on it for a set amount of years, you can have it for free. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, not Friedman, though, because, well, there's a reason. It's not just racism. Uh, giving Friedman land would encourage them to, and I quote here, a life of indolence. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but white people, oh, no, for them, it would give them a leg up that they needed to become useful members of society. What on earth? <laughs> yeah. Now, it took a while... But eventually, this bill was passed by the House. However, there's something else big going on at this time that we've always had to talk about at this time, because 1850 has just rolled by. Oh, brilliant. Yes, and that, of course, means the Compromise of 1850. The one with the fugitive slave law, and what are we going to do with California, etc., etc. I bet Johnson loved this. <laughs> well, he was very much in the thick of the debate. 
What were they going to do with this land taken from Mexico? Now, Johnson had created his own compromise solution. His idea was to allow California into the Union as a free state, and in return, interestingly, give the capital city to Maryland. What, the capital of California to Maryland? No, to give Washington, D.C. to Maryland. Oh, I'm with you. Let's get rid of this weird District of Columbia thing. Yeah, yeah. We can just have Washington, D.C. in Maryland, which it is in. I mean, come on. It clearly is in Maryland. Yeah, um, it's basically a swamp. Come on. Yeah. And Mar- Maryland's a slave state, and therefore we can just all have slavery in the capital and everything's fine. Oh, and also the Fugitive Slave Act. Definitely. That's got to be a thing. Yeah. After all, and I'm going to quote... Johnson here. Slavery itself has its foundation and will find its perpetuity in the Union, and the Union its continuance by non-interference with the institution of slavery. Yes. So, essentially, slavery will always be in the Union, and the Union will always continue slavery. It's how it is. Yeah. Now, as we've seen, this compromise wasn't taken up. It was actually Henry Clay's that goes through eventually. Hmm. Uh, but he very much sided with the South on this one. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, unsurprisingly. Now, by 1852, Johnson had been in the capital for almost a decade. And he'd really... Oh, wow. Went, yeah, we've kind of skipped a bit there. Um, but it's just him, like, turning up to meetings and stuff. There's yeah. only so much you can say. He's made a name for himself over this time, though. He is now known nationally as a stubborn man who would not bend and would cut you down verbally if you dared to challenge him. Due to this, he made some enemies. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Realising that he was far too popular to lose his seat, the Whigs in the Tennessee legislature fell back on that good old US tradition of gerrymandering. Oh, for oh, yes. sake. If you can't win by fair democratic principles, just cheat. (laughs) Because for some reason, it's still not illegal. Yeah. But it's fine. Obviously, they get rid of gerrymandering soon because it's so obviously ridiculous and non-democratic. Yeah. Yeah. Any time after this, I'm sure. Bound to get rid of it soon. Of course. Anyway, overnight... And he them on age, damn it. Yeah. Overnight, Johnson found himself in a district in which he was no longer quite as popular as he was before. (laughs) They're all pointing guns at us, sir. (laughs) Yeah. So just like that, he loses his seat. Back to Tennessee he goes. He is determined not to lose the gains he's made in his life so far, however, so he decides to run for the governor of the state. Yes. He was up against Major Gustavus Henry. Gustavus? Oh yeah, it's a good name, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very good name. Major Gustavus. I am Major Gustavus. Yes, you are. (laughs) Known also as the Eagle Orator. Ooh. Oh yeah. Just squawks. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, who who was one of Lincoln's friends who trained an eagle, wasn't it? Oh. Just uh, do party tricks whilst he was speaking. (laughs) Maybe Gustavus had an eagle as well. Um, Yeah, Gustavus was a man known to give a good speech. He was also the man responsible for the gerrymandering. So uh, Johnson had a personal axe to grind. Now, once again, Johnson proved that he should not be underestimated. The eagle orator may know all his highfalutin words, but uh, Johnson knew how to insult your mother to your face. (laughs) In a witty yet cutting way. (laughs) That doesn't offend the mother, but offends the son. I don't think Johnson would have cared, as long as the crowd cheered. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Now, a few years before this, in a typical waste-no-money-whatsoever style, Johnson had voted against sending money as aid to Ireland. 
Ireland were currently facing a few problems due to lack of potatoes. Or, more importantly, a surplus of British people invading them. Um, yeah, it doesn't help. No, it so doesn't. this is, would have been about the time that my great-grandparents would have travelled from Ireland to Scotland. Yes, yeah, would have been about that. Yeah, um, yeah, the famine's going on in Ireland. Things were tough. Johnson had voted against sending money to Ireland. A lot of Irish people in America at this time, because everyone's starving over there, yeah. uh, and they were coming over. So Johnson just seemed a little bit heartless here. In one debate, Major Gustavus, the Eagle Orator, brought this up and called Johnson heartless to his face. You are, and I don't say this lightly, heartless. <laughs> and everyone else went, ooh, sick burn. Yeah. That's how it went. Johnson stood up and responded to this. You're a <laughs> Possibly. But then he went on to say, When I voted against that resolution, I turned to my fellow congressmen and I proposed to give $50 of my own funds if they would give likewise. When they declined, I ran my hand into my pocket and I pulled out $50, which I donated to the cause. How much did you give, sir? Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's uh, pointing out the... To be fair, hypocrisy. You, mm. you can't blame someone for not giving if you don't give yourself. Yeah. So No, I just didn't want the taxpayers to have to pay. Mm. But I've been lucky in life, so I will gladly pay myself. Uh, whether nice. this is true or not, I couldn't find out. I found the story, and I tried to look into whether he actually did it. But a lot of people seem to be distracted by this Lincoln fellow at this time. Not as much seems to be written about Johnson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, who knows? Maybe he was completely making this up. But uh, it was a good speech. Mm. And um, soon, he was elected. Ah. Now, as we've seen, in particular in the South, the governorship was l a largely ceremonial role. They didn't want the governors of the states to be too powerful. Yeah. Uh, so he didn't really have too much to do, but he did get some things done. He opened Tennessee's first free public library in school. So we're going to say pub then? No, unfortunately not. But yeah, so again, with the education, he's pushing that. As before, the uh, high-ups in the Democratic Party were wary of their man in Tennessee. He seemed a little bit too much like a populist still. And he t keeps talking about enfranchising the working classes. And yeah. Do we really want that? However, he was one of the few Democrats that was constantly popular in the region, so again, the party somewhat reluctantly support him when he ran for a second term. So again, you got this slightly dicey relationship with the Democratic Party. The second time he was up for election as governor, however, he was up against a know-nothing. Yeah, we've got to that time already, oh, the wow. know-nothings are around. Yeah. Johnson despises the know-nothings. A bunch of racists. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'll, I'll quote here. Show me a know-nothing and I will show you a loathsome reptile on whose neck every honest man should set his feet. He just hated a party that would discriminate against a whole group of people blindly. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just terrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. No morals. Yeah, I mean, obviously the hypocrisy of this is ridiculous, but completely lost on many people at the time. Yeah. Anyway, some members of the Democratic Party came to see Johnson and asked him to tone down his anti-know-nothing rhetoric. I mean, after all, there were a lot of bigots who voted in this state, and yes. it didn't do to point out that their anti-Catholic rhetoric was just not on. It's like, come on, Andrew. It's like, we don't want to upset the bigots. We're also bigots. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I yeah. Mean, come on, Andrew. 
and the old pal. Johnson responded, and again I quote, Gentlemen, I will make that same speech tomorrow if it blows the Democratic Party to hell. So he's on. He's all about winning. Oh, yeah. I'd like to think he got his uh, Democratic Party membership out at the same time and said, oh, by the way, could I just get that signed again? I'm up for renewal. <laughs> That'd be splendid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you can see why some in the Democratic Party were not sure about him. Bit, yeah. yeah. Bit on the edge. <laughs> anyway, he won the election. Uh, he knows how to turn the crowd, and he is very popular in Tennessee. Uh, not only does he win this election, this is when we first start to see that he was perhaps eyeing up the top job itself. There was some speculation that uh, in the 1856 nomination that was coming up, Johnson made some tentative moves in that direction. Uh, the Democratic Convention's coming up, can I do anything here? But it soon became very clear that the party was going to expect him to back Pierce. Yeah. Pierce and Buchanan were battling it out. Pierce would be great. Well, um, Pierce... B Buchanan will be great, Yeah, yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, Pierce was already there and not popular. Uh, as we've seen, Pierce lost to Buchanan who then went on to win the, the election. Johnson, seeing that this route was a no-go at this time, decided that it's time to get back on the national scene. So, this time he runs for the Senate, not the House. Ooh. Oh, yes. And with his popularity, he wins the seat with very little fuss. Mm. Or at least back home. In the House of Representatives, he was one of 23 men out of 223 who was not a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. The House of Representatives was very much the lower house. Right. The Senate was for the gentlemen. Ah. Uh, the Senate is the place where the people who really knew how to do things went. Yes. There was quite a bit of outrage that this poor tailor had come to sit in the Senate. What's this democracy rubbish that's going on? As you can imagine, Johnson didn't give two things I shouldn't say about this. Hoots. Nope. Hoots. We'll do that. Two hoots about this. No hoots given at all. No. So he heads for the capital once more, travelling by train. Yeah, so he's seeing the advantage of them now. Or oh, he's really miffed all the way there. Yeah. These damn capitalists. He was going past fields looking at horses that were just casually looking up the train, going, damn. <laughs> and shouting boo out with really <laughs> scary faces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horse didn't even flinch. No. So yeah, he's in his train. The train's trundling along. As trains do. Yes, they do. Uh, and then there was an almighty clang, and then a crash. And then the train derailed. Oh. It plunged 60 foot down an embankment. Oh. Is this the same train? No, it's not. It's exactly the same description. Yeah. Trains were just dangerous back then. Goodness me. Horse still didn't care. <laughs> that train skidded halfway across the field, stopped a centimetre from the horse. <laughs> Looked down, nibbled a bit of grass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cocked his leg and weed. Yeah. As horses do. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Johnson's arm was crushed, a bone broken, but apart from that, miraculously, he was fine. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, uh, a near-death experience there. It's Pierce, isn't it, and his son? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, that was only a few years before this. Wow. It was about four years before this. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So you've got future presidents in train accidents yeah. all over the place. Wow. Did he have a claw hand for the rest of his life? Yes, he did. He did. Oh, yeah. That was... No, I'm making that oh, up. Okay. Just to try and make him sound more interesting. Let's say he did, though. All right. And no one can prove us wrong. Uh, because true. no one knows where his body is. That's also not true. I've got to stop <laughs> making things up. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't even president. He didn't exist. I would know. 
<laughs> Unless I check on Google, there's no way I'd know that any of this is true. No, he's got he's got a he's got a robot hand, steam powered, <laughs> steampunk yeah. hand. Yes, that's what he's got. <laughs> yeah, well, the injury bothered him for years. Uh, he was in a lot <gasps> of pain. Did he have to quit the debating club? His <laughs> <laughs> <a> debating hand. <laughs> I don't know. Either that, or he just <laughs> developed new debating techniques. <laughs> We apologise for this week's episode. <laughs> this episode is rated R. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, he finally gets to the capital, uh, obviously very much still injured, but apparently in good spirits, because he, he'd made it. He told a friend that he'd reached the summit of his ambition. To be a senator. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Poor boy in a log cabin, could barely eat. Now he's a senator. Well, yeah, fair, yeah, fair play. Pretty good. And now he was in the Senate, he had work to do. His homestead bill that he'd got through the House was now just languishing in the Senate, not really going anywhere. This giving poor people free things was a, a bit too far for most senators. <laughs> what, what, what? So he decided he'd work on that. However, there was a slight problem. No one wanted to talk about his bill, because all anyone could talk about was slavery. Mm. I guess that sort of is the hot topic at the moment. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, considering in most other episodes we have just talked about slavery and the compromise mm. and everything that's coming up, and in Johnson's episode, you get the sense that he was just not interested. He's trying to get his homestead bill free. Mm. Yeah. He, he just seemed, if anything, a bit annoyed that, that the people were just distracted by this. It didn't seem to matter what they were supposed to be talking about in the Senate, because it always came back to bloody slavery. Yeah. Uh, and to Johnson, the radicals from this new Republican Party were trying to destroy things by bringing up this issue over and over again. The South, a region that had previously shown some interest in his bill, were now very suspicious of any bill that gave the federal government more power in case they used it to stop the spread of slavery. And it did not help Johnson that a northern abolitionist called Wade supported the bill, because he just saw it as perhaps a good thing, to uh, help impoverished families. So the South were saying, well, hang on, Wade supports it, so it must somehow be anti-slavery? We're not sure how, but if Wade likes there, it, There's a can't. link there somewhere. Yeah. No matter how tenuous, there's a link. Equally, in the North, uh, they weren't too keen on a bill that could spread slavery supporters around the country. It could just generally complicate things. Yeah. Uh, we're, not, we're not really sure how, but look, just, <laughs> just go away with your bill. We're talking about yeah. slavery here. Yeah. Johnson became frustrated. He announced, and I quote, If the Ten Commandments were to come up for consideration, someone would find a Negro in them somewhere, and the issue of slavery would be raised once again. Yeah, he's just getting frustrated that everyone's talking about the fact that this country is falling apart. Yeah. Instead of his bill. Widen your view. <laughs> well, again, he becomes frustrated that black people were taking away from the poor whites. All their fault, he yeah. thought. Yeah, uh, again, I mean, you just... He's completely blind to the fact. Yeah. Well, no, he's not completely blind. He he hates the, the rich planter class. But he still just blames the slaves as well. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the first time we've really come across that, isn't it? Yeah, we've not really seen anyone quite like Johnson that's before. Warped logic. It is a bit of a warped logic, uh, but it obviously made sense to him. Anyway, he realised that he was going to have to pick a side on this slavery issue, otherwise no one's going to talk to him, and no one's going to support his bill. So, he stands up and he delivers a speech that describes slavery as a force for good, and supported the recent decision from Dred Scott that black people were not included in the all men are created equal statement. 
Yeah, his rhetoric reassured many Southern senators that Johnson was not a Northern stooge, despite Wade's support. So, you know what, maybe we could support this bill. He's saying all the right things. Not Again, he knows what to say, doesn't he? Well, yeah, yeah. And not everyone's happy. Some hardliners asked, would this not make people lazy? If we give poor people land, they'll just be lazy, won't they? So not everyone liked Johnson's bill. But generally, people could see that giving people enough to care about rather than letting them starve to death was actually a good thing for the country. Something that America is still trying to discover today. Yes. <laughs> Interestingly. <laughs> Perhaps don't let your population starve? No. Maybe? That's just a people crazy idea. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we get sidetracked. Um, finally, the bill passed. So there you go. Homestead bill is through. Johnson's got it through the House yeah. and then got it through the Senate. Countless lives of poor people will be improved by this. That's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's I mean, some... he's now a dirty socialist. <laughs> there are some. <laughs> there were some horrible things around the edges, and uh, it's like his attitude towards black people is horrible. But the bill would undoubtedly do good for many people yeah. who were in a bad position. Buchanan immediately vetoed it. Oh. You can, um... <laughs> Come back again. <laughs> he really was awful. Furious, Johnson started working on a veto override. As long as you've got two-thirds of the Senate overriding the veto, yeah. that's fine, we can get it through. But by this point, the country was so obviously on the verge of civil war, people's attentions were elsewhere. You got the feeling Johnson's running around Washington just trying to tap people on the shoulder. Look, Hello? look, we need, to, we need to veto this. Veto the veto. We need the homestead bill to go through. And Hello? People are turning around saying, just, seriously, we're, we're picking up guns, man. Yeah. We're, we're now, we're army. We're marching. <laughs> we're in the Dude. battle. I've been Duck. shot. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dead. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Let me rest. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one of the main reasons why people's attentions were elsewhere was because a Republican had just won the election oh. and was going to be the next president. Oh, for goodness sake. Some lawyer from Illinois. Now, if Johnson had plans for that election, it was dashed when the Democrats split. You know, if you remember, this is when yeah. the Democrats split North and South. And we've got, the, is this considered the birth of the more modern Democrats? It morphs a lot, but not yeah. really. We've All still right. got a good 50-odd years to go, right. 60, 70 years even, wow. before we start seeing the Democrats, how you'd recognise them today. Okay. Yeah. Um, this split was a disaster for Johnson. Johnson, as we've seen, never really fit in with the Democrats very well. So when Southern and Northern Democrats split, well, he didn't really have an obvious place to go. He's from the South himself. He's He hates the planter class. He hates the big, greedy companies from the North. Yeah, he hates trains. Yeah, I mean, so where's he go? He had some soul-searching today, and he fell back on his hero, Andrew Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yes, because Johnson was a true Jacksonian Democrat in a sense that most weren't. Yeah. Jackson fought for the common man. Jackson hated big government. Jackson understood one thing over everything else, and that is the Union must prevail. Do you remember his toe stuff? Yes. Oh, yes. Johnson had been thinking this for quite some time himself, 
and this is the path he decides to follow. In December 1860, as Buchanan faced the Fort Sumter problem, Johnson gave a speech in the Senate channeling his hero, and I'll quote him here, Let us exclaim the Union, the Federal Union. It must be preserved. Which is almost word for word to Jackson's toast. Hmm. Now here was a Southern senator proclaiming that the South which had started to break away by this point, South yeah. Carolina, had uh, already seceded. Yeah. So th this was a Southern senator saying that the South was playing with treason. Ooh. Johnson's popularity surged and plummeted, depending where you were in the country. <laughs> yes, <laughs> can imagine it would. Yeah. Now, Johnson's 51 at this point, and he faced a huge decision. He was described at the time, and I quote here, as a self-absorbed lonely man. He never really fit in. No. And he seemed to only ever have one ambition. Uh, but perhaps this is unfair, because he obviously had his family. And another boy had been born by this point as well, oh. so his, his, his family's a bit bigger. Still in contact with his wife, then? Uh, yeah, occasionally. As far as we can tell, Johnson kept his family and work life completely separate. They just didn't really seem to cross over. Mm. Uh, uh, Eliza, like I said, would not really travel to Washington when Johnson was there. But even if that's the case, Johnson must have known that if he threw his support behind the Union, this would have a huge impact not just on him, but his family as well. Mm. After all, it was looking more and more likely that Tennessee was going to secede. Yeah. His family are back there. He's just called them traitors. Ah. Yeah. However, Johnson simply could not see a future in a new southern country. If the South seceded and succeeded seceding, um, well, he wouldn't fit in there. Oh, no. He didn't get on with the likes of Jefferson Davis, people who had opposed his homestead bill and were also members of the despised planter class. So he, he just wasn't going to be able to make a career in a new southern country. No. He didn't really like the North either, <laughs> but it, it seemed like a better way to go. So he made up his mind. South Carolina was acting in a treasonous way, and all states that thought about following their example needed to really stop and think about their actions, was essentially what he started saying. Yeah. So he heads home to press his case. He's going to go to Tennessee and trying to stop them from seceding. But as he was travelling home, he found a very divided country, one turning against him and his views. Oh dear. In fact, this was quite a ballsy move, because he was well-known. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's going to be quite, um, almost a bit of a target, in a way. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The South saw him as a traitor, and there were many examples of, of people burning effigies of him. Oh. Yeah, the speech he gave really did not go down well at all. Do, do you think he was aware of that at the time, or did he find that out? More and more as he travelled and went, oh dear. I get the impression he was aware, but not aware how much. Right. Because he heads back home on a train again. Yeah. <laughs> again, brave man, I wouldn't be getting back on a train. No. <laughs> no. Looking out for horses. On his way home, his train pulled into Virginia en route. A man recognised him. Are you Andrew Johnson? The man said. I am, said Johnson. I'm going to pull your nose, said the other man. Johnson confused? <laughs> oh, what? Why? Are you are you ill? Um, well, interestingly, and I had to look into this as well, <laughs> uh, pulling, pulling someone's nose apparently was an upper-class insult. Oh. Yeah, I'm reminded of Cutthroat. a bite, bite my thumb at you, sir, from Shakespeare oh, kind of thing. yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, the, the lower classes would rough and tumble. Mm. The upper classes... They didn't really duel anymore. Uh, Dueling's starting to fade out. So instead they'd 
Rap battles. No. This is the start of rap battles. Okay. Diss battles, isn't it? No, no. They just pull each other's noses. Literally. Uh, or f- figuratively. Appa- apparently so. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, no. What's interesting to note is that someone is going to pull his nose. And Little Andrew, who was born in a log cabin, who was a tailor, mm. he's now seen as the upper class. Awesome. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Anyway, the man stepped forward to pull Andrew's nose. And several others started to make noises that they approved of this treatment. Now, obviously, it's not just going to be a little nose tweak and everyone walks away. I'm guessing it starts with a nose tweak and then people start laying in the punches. Yeah. Yeah. This is looking like it's going to be dicey. It's almost a hold on to, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Johnson drew out his revolver. Ooh. Oh, yes. Pad out, pencil in hand. <laughs> he threatened to shoot the man at that first approached. He forced the man opposite him and all his friends off the train and stood at the door of one of the carriages, pistol aimed at the growing mob, just staring at them. Until eventually the train driver decided perhaps it's time to go. I think you could make the argument that this situation's got a little out of hand. Oh yes. The train pulled away and Johnson shouted, I am a union man! Pulled his nose in defiance. Yeah, his own nose. And then the train turned round the corner. As they do. As they do. Went uphill. <laughs> yeah, yes. Went down a hill. Yeah, loop de loop. And then arrived in somewhere called Lynchburg. Oh no. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> Johnson wasn't quite as prepared, although they either didn't announce they were going to pull his nose or they, they got him when he wasn't looking, because this time he was dragged from his carriage. Oh. Oh yes. He was kicked and he was spat upon. It looked like a full-blown lynching was about to happen in Lynchburg. They'd obviously had experience in the past, although probably not with rich white men. Anyway, things were looking bad. Yeah. When an old man in the crowd apparently suddenly shouted to stop. He stated that it would be unfair to steal this lynching from their neighbours in Greenville. They will lynch him there. That's where he's from. The mob perhaps thinking that, yeah, they wanted to lynch him, but perhaps let another town do it so we don't get into trouble. I mean, we've, tr- we've proved we're tough now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we would lynch him, but yeah, I mean, it would be, be impolite to yeah. uh, Greenville. So be uncouth. Yeah. So after a couple more kicks, they let him go. <laughs> now, I should point out that in some places I found these two stories were actually one event. Right. Yeah, there seems to be some discrepancy here. I couldn't quite tally it up. So this either is two stories that happened separately completely, or one story that where the story has changed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Likely, at the time. Yeah. It seems unlikely that it was the same train journey, which is essentially how <laughs> I presented it now, yeah. just because it sounded like a better story. Yeah. Um, but what we do get from this is it was dangerous for him to be heading home. Yeah. Like, seriously, he could be killed here. He almost was twice. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so even though I, uh, it's not 100% clear, I decided to keep both stories in because they were both fun. Fair play. So anyway, Johnson arrives home in a country on the brink of civil war, surrounded by people who wanted him dead. And that is where we're going to leave it today. Oh, no! Normally you stop at, like, Lincoln's now been shot. I thought that's where you are going to go. That's where I was aiming to go to. Too much. But my life has just been so insanely busy recently. I'm not judging you, don't worry. No, no, I I genuinely, that was where I was aiming for. I've actually got um, 
I've got 600 more words to play with that, uh, oh. that I didn't use. So it might be a slightly longer episode next time. Because sure. I didn't quite get to the point where I was planning to, but I just ran out of time. Awesome. But I figured uh, the the story at the end of him almost being lynched is a nice place to end. Yeah, it's quite good. Yeah. So next time we'll see what he does during the Civil War. Uh, and then um, what happens when he suddenly becomes president? Only good things, I'm sure. So well, what are your thoughts so far? Um, he's an ass. <laughs> yeah, it's a sh- it's such a shame because there's a couple of things where you go, yeah, you know what, Johnson, well done. And, and you can You're, see why, because yeah. from his past, you can see why he's so passionate about that. But He really wants education for people who would not usually get education. Yeah. And that's good. He does things like he opens libraries for the public. Yes. You can see little glimmers of, well done, but it's only glimmers because almost all of it is just, oh, you're an awful human being. And it, yeah. And, but everything stems from his childhood and his disillusion with, with, it's because he was poor. It all stems from that. His racism, his inherent uh, hatred and, and vindictiveness. Yeah, even to word. the little things like not giving aid to Starving Island mm. or even to the families of yeah. the cannon explosion because he doesn't you want don't to spend want to money. waste money. Yeah. yeah, it's it's He's putting a price on human life, which he does because he bought slaves. Yes, there's also that. And as soon as you start devaluing a human being, you can devalue anybody. Yeah. Famous word from Captain Picard. Nice. Like Series it. 6. Right. Chain of Command, episode 2. Wow. Oh, yes. Is that really... Yeah. People who are listening to this, one or two are listening to this going, yeah, that's true. <laughs> How far through the episode? <laughs> I don't know. He's talking to Gore. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's disappointed, fine. Jeremy. I'm disappointed. <laughs> uh, right. Call yourself a track fan. <laughs> okay, right. Thank you very much for listening. Um, we, will, we will be doing part two next time. Uh, but until then, please leave reviews. Um, get in contact with us. Uh, chat to us online via Facebook or Twitter. And uh, don't forget you can download some Podbean and iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, as Rob just said. Yeah, I did. I That'd did. be great. Yeah. And don't forget you can download us on uh, Roman Emperor's Tatas Rankin about uh, Romans, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so. Whiskey Tatas Rankin, which we need to do an episode soon on that. Oh, we totally do. But we're coming up to summer soon, so... I've I've got literally six episodes of that to edit and release <laughs> really? yeah really okay. do so I, I need to get on that anyway i'll do that first then we'll I'll record do that first then. yeah right thank you very much for listening then and until next time goodbye goodbye say the next question propounded to me by mr johnson is can the people of a territory in any lawful way against the wishes of any citizen of the united states exclude the extension of trains what say you to this mr johnson well i say to you your mother is fat i, I beg your pardon mr you johnson? heard me your mother is fat she is such a chunky wonky blubbernaut that when she got in the bath, a tidal wave was doth caused. <laughs> Johnson, this is really not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss the, the spread of, of trains. I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about. Your mum. 
I really don't understand. Right, anyway, I'm continuing with my speech, if I may, Mr. Johnson. Okay. Yes, anyway, as I was saying, Mr. Johnson knew that I had answered the questions over and over again that he first proposed, and I say to him that when a train does enter a tunnel... That's what your mother said to me. What? Train entering a tunnel. What's that got to do... Seriously, Johnson. Saturday evening. What, what about Saturday evening? We're your trying picture to... was on her nightstand. Why is my... What? I looked at you and I smiled. What? Seriously, Johnson. As my, really? my locomotive... Good God, you... man. Is this how you debate? Is this what you do? Is this what you learned in debate? This is what I do. And your mother. You, sir, are a scoundrel. The, the crowd here clearly don't want to. Oh, they're, they're cheering for you out there. Yes, they are. You're quite a beast. Well, that's that's sort of ironic. Why? That's what your mother said. Andrew Jackson, part one. I'm learning. You also said Andrew Jackson instead of Andrew Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I'm not learning. <laughs> Good job we spotted that now. I'm fairly sure you did. I think I did. <laughs> Although his hero was Andrew Johnson. Jackson. No. <laughs> His hero was Andrew Jackson. Uh, it's easy, isn't it? It is easy, yes. <laughs>